Well, uh, I was saying to someone the other day, it, uh, in the summer, uh, there's a stretch, I, I think around in August, where people might call it the dog days of summer. You ever heard of that? The dog days, where, where the days just are really long, and it seems like you're, I mean, I enjoy those days, but it feels like, okay, this, it's, the, it's the long part of the summer. Uh, I, I kind of said to someone the other day that I feel like we're in the middle of the winter part of that. Like, I don't, we don't call it the dog days of winter, but uh, this part of winter where it feels like, I don't know about you, but it's like, come on, I'm ready for spring is kind of funny because uh, we had some spring-like weather last week where it was warm and rainy and the snow was melting and it looked like a lot of the snow banks had just disappeared. There was a little snow around still and then boom, another reminder that winter's not over. And we need encouragement when we go through seasons like that. And I think sometimes the weather is a good metaphor for sometimes how we feel. You know, we uh, in here in North America, especially uh, in Canada, uh, with, where the winters are, sh uh, the days are short in the winter, we know that some people suffer from what they call SAD, you know, seasonal affective, dis seasonal affective disorder of some kind where, you know, they get depressed because of, of the fact that there's less sunlight and, the, and it's cold outside and so people aren't getting out and moving around as much and it affects how they feel. And uh, that's a real thing. And yet, church, I mean, one thing I wanna say is I miss people being here in the building and the more hopeful I have of things reopening, I know uh, the, Ontario has said we're gonna have some mandates drop in the month of March and so my hope is, is that things will continue to progress, that people will wanna come back to church and that that will be a sign of hope, but we need all kinds of signs of hope. Even if that those things don't happen as and progress the way maybe we would like and maybe some of you thought, man, uh, they said the pandemic would be two weeks and now it's two years and I'm not feeling very hopeful. Pastor, well, how can you talk about hope during this time? It's the middle of winter and I feel a little bit of that sad seasonal depression that you're talking about. And I, and I want to say, this is the need for the Spirit of God. Because if, if it's not a pandemic, if it's not the winter, if it's not having trouble at work or in your relationship, struggling with your, your, your family members or in your home. Uh, like for me, I, I had to go on a cleaning uh, tirade yesterday because I know for me, if my house gets a little bit too out of order, it starts to affect my mood. You know, and, and here's, the, here's the problem, church. Our mood affects our experience, and then when our, our experience affects how we live our lives. And so we need to allow God to come in and change our mood and change our experience. This is why the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, and peace. Those are the first three ones that are listed. Now, there's many more, of course, that are affected when we have the Spirit of God come in. I'm looking at Hartley and Melissa here in the front row, and I remember when you guys first started coming to our church, we, that's what I was preaching through, the fruit of the Spirit. We had the fruit on the back wall here, and Hartley and Melissa painted those fruit, and we listed them, and every week we put up a new fruit, and we talk about those fruit. And I often, when I'm praying, I'm sure people notice that I'll list off the fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against these things, there is no law. This is God's Spirit in us. We need His Spirit. So last week, I preached part one of Jesus teaching on the Holy Spirit. And there was two main things that Jesus said in that passage in John chapter 16, I believe it was, 
or no, 14, sorry, John chapter 14, he said that you're going to need a counselor, and a counsel gives you counsel, and I talked about how in today's world, especially with the things that are going on, we need a counselor. We need someone to tell us which way to go, what to do, what direction, especially with the things that are happening in today's world where uh, the media says one thing and then other people say another thing and there seems like the information war is on for our minds, right? And so we need a counselor. The second was we need a helper because even if we get good counsel, we need help to actually do the things that we know we should do. So the Holy Spirit is our helper and he's our counselor and I talked about that last week. But this week, as I was saying, we, we go through this, this se- these seasons where we seem to be affected uh, by what's going on around us. And, and it's really hard to not be affected by what's going around us. I suggest if, if you're being overly affected by the news, turn it off for a, for a while. Turn off the news. Turn off your phone. Turn off your TV. Spend some time in quietness and peace. I know Pastor Liz on Tuesday nights is going through some of her material that she's studying in seminary. And I know a lot of the things that she's studying in seminary have to do with spiritual life, a good spiritual life. And a good spiritual life requires time in solitude, time in prayer, shutting things down, canceling out the noise of the world so that we can focus on God. But what do we do then? So I'm, I'm shutting off the news, I'm shutting off my phone, I'm shutting off the TV, you know, maybe even unplug your Wi-Fi for a second. And you say, What's, what now, God? And I think you should, you should turn to Luke chapter 11. This is where I'm going to preach today. And we're going to look at part two of Jesus ta- teaching about the Holy Spirit. Jesus is going to teach about the Holy Spirit here in Luke And this is part two because last week I already talked about it, but this is a different passage where Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to start at verse five. And just for some context, Jesus is already teaching his disciples on prayer. So the Lord's Prayer is uh, Luke chapter 11, the first four verses, Jesus actually teaches the disciple the prayer we would call the Our Father, the one we recite often because this is Jesus teaching his disciples. And the Our Father is more than just a, uh, some verses we recite. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We don't just recite that. It actually has meaning. Each of and every one of those, if we break it down, are important to what we are actually praying, like the kingdom of God coming, uh, praying for our daily bread, praying for forgiveness of sin, praying that he would lead us not into temptation. And and Luke, it's a little revised. I know in Matthew, it's a little longer. But then Jesus goes into, after teaching his disciples how to pray, he's going to talk about our need to seek the Holy Spirit. Because prayer, when you're taking time apart from the world and you're silencing yourself and you're finally in your quiet place, maybe for some of you, you can't get to that place until you're out of your house. You know, five kids here, hello. And you're in your car, and in your first temptation, this is my first temptation, is when I'm in my car, is to turn on the radio or put on, my, put on a podcast or put on some music, and I have to resist that. Because God's finally like, Thomas, I got you alone. I got your attention. You, you need to spend time on your kids. You need to spend time with your wife at home. But now, I've got you. Don't turn anything on. Just be in quiet for a minute. You ever have that sensation where you feel God telling you, just stay quiet for a moment? But what do you do in that quiet moment? Here's what Jesus is going to say. Luke chapter 11, verse 5. He says, Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, 
And he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. So he's talking about a situation where a friend goes to another friend. Listen, uh, often when we go to Jesus, we go to him asking things, right? And so Jesus is, is paralleling prayer, going, spending time in quiet to a friend asking a friend of something else. And here, in this case, it's three loaves of bread. Hardly, if I said, hey, buddy, my family is struggling. I don't have any bread. Could you pick me up some bread? I know Hartley, as a friend of mine, he would go and go to the store and grab some bread if I really needed some bread. I know he would. And we would do the same for you because we're friends. And this is what Jesus is saying. When friends know friends, then they ask of something, they'll give it back to you. And remember, in other scriptures, Jesus told his disciples, no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. Because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I'm going to tell you what I'm doing, and therefore you can be friend. You can call me friend. And so Jesus, we are friends of God. And so when we go and we're finally turning down the radio, when we're finally turning out the, tuning out the world, we're spending time with our friend. You need to see it that way. See, listen, you're going to want to turn on the radio. You're going to want to listen to music or a podcast or listen to the news if you don't see Jesus as friend because you won't see the need to spend time with him. But when you see the potential to be friends of God, even if you're just a new beginner, even if you're just seeking God for the first time, I challenge you to start seeing God in this way. Start talking to God like he's a friend. If someone were to get, Margaret, if you were to get in the car with me, and you're sitting next to me, and I just decide to turn on the news or turn on the radio and, and, and turn it up it's loud enough that I can't hear you, what kind of friend am I? Turn off the news so you can hear and talk to God. You wouldn't do it if a person were, were sitting next to you. Now, here's the question. Do you really believe that Jesus is with you? Remember, Jesus told us he would be with us. He would be in us. I talked about this last week, that he, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to be with us and in us. And so if you really believe this, then you're going to create time to actually listen to him. You're not just going to tune in the world. You have to tune out the world so that you can listen to him. So, so first point is Jesus saying, if a friend asked for another friend for loaves, he would give it to him. Oh, then the one answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are, are with me in bed. Sorry, uh, I should have read this part too. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him bread because he is his friend. Yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So here's the story. The man says, hey, listen. Listen, I've been in this, in this situation. Uh, I, I, it's, it's late at night. My kids are in bed. I want to go to bed. Like my priorities should be elsewhere. And Jesus is saying, the man has a good excuse to not get up and get his friend some bread. He's got all the excuses in the world to get his, not get his friend some bread, but he gets it for him anyways because he's his friend. Because the man was bold enough to ask. He was willing to go and ask. And so when we're spending time with, with Jesus... He's encouraging us as a friend, even if you might find it difficult to ask, even if you feel like you're an inconvenience in the things you're asking for, go to God and ask him. Verse 9 says, I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. 
Knock, and the door will be opened to you. So again, he's talking about prayer. He's saying, it, you might show up at your friend's house at night, late at night. Listen, if I was coming to your house, and I, it's late at night, I would feel pretty hard bent on knocking on your door to ask for something if your kids are already in bed and you're, you're fast asleep. But Jesus is saying, listen, if he's really your friend, he'll still open the door for you. And so Jesus is saying, ask me. I'm your friend. Don't be afraid to ask me. Ask, knock, seek, and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. God will open the door for you to get what you want from him if you're willing to go and get it. He says, for everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, often people will read this scripture and they'll stop there. They're like, great, if I ask God for something, he's going to give it to me. And that's not the whole that's not what this passage is all about. It's more than that. Remember, I wanted to teach you about the Holy Spirit and our need for the Holy Spirit. And so this is what Jesus is actually talking about here when he's talking about asking. He's not just talking about asking for bread or fish or stuff. He's actually talking about our need to ask for the Holy Spirit, our guide, our counselor, his presence in our lives. So here's what he says. Which of you fathers... If your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. That would be a pretty bad prank, right? Joel comes to me. He's like, Dad, let's go fishing. All right. And, I, and, and then we, we cast our lines in, and I, and I jokingly put a snake on the end of my line, and I pull it up, and I, ha, and I trick him and scare him, and he falls into the lake. Ha, ha. That'd be funny, right? No, 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 no. That's not a good father. That's not a good father. If a son asks for a fish, you would give him a fish. And if, if he asks for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? That would be a mean trick too. Yeah, here's an egg. Crack the egg. Boom, scorpion instead. That would not be funny. If then, though you who are evil, we are evil. We know the Bible says that uh, our heart's inclination is often to sin. We were born into sin. We are not perfect. Only God is perfect. But even though we are not perfect, we still know how to give our children good gifts. Right? Think about the people in your life. Think about those who you've loved. Think about your own family members. Often, the people we are closest to hurt us the most. Be honest. In our marriages, our relationship with our children. Sometimes we say things and they come out of our mouth and they sound terrible. And yet they're the people we love the most. And Jesus says, if then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, yet you still love each other even though you are evil towards each other, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Okay, there, he finishes what his teaching is on the Holy Spirit here now. He's saying, first of all, he's talking about prayer. Then he's talking about asking, seeking, and knocking, and then the door will be opened. Then he says, if you ask, I'm going to give you what you ask for. I'm not going to try to trick you by replacing a fish for a snake or an egg for a scorpion. God's not looking to trick you when you ask for something. And then he says, what are you going to ask for? He says, how much more will the Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is what this teaching is all about. That when you ask for the Holy Spirit, God will give you the Holy Spirit. See, often in our prayers, we go to God and we ask for um, bread. We ask for like, like the Our Father prayer. Give us today this daily bread. Or we go for forgiveness. Lord, forgive me my sins. 
The Lord's Prayer is important to teach us those things that we can go to God for. But here's the ultimate. Jesus concludes this teaching on how to pray by saying, and he will give us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is greater than anything else you can ask for. See, if you continue to ask for your daily bread, or you continue to ask for forgiveness, or you continue to ask for the things that you think you need in life, God will give you those things. He will continue to provide for you. He will sustain you. He will help you through life by meeting those needs. But even more than just providing for your needs and taking care of you, what he really wants to do is not just be around you, but be in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, see, there's another level to our prayer life when we start to recognize that the Holy Spirit wants to be in us, that God wants to give us the Holy Spirit so that we can have him living through us because there's greater answer to prayer when we can recognize that God is in us than just getting what we want out of our prayer life. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, I don't actually need very much at all. I actually realize how much little I actually need when I have the Spirit of God in my life. When He comes in me and through me. Now some of you have never experienced that. Some of you have. See, here's the thing. If you're a believer, every believer, Clayton, last year, like right before Christmas, I think it was, we baptized you. Yes. Awesome. And when we baptize people, it's their public declaration that they believe that Jesus is their Lord, their Savior, their God, the one they put their trust in. And so Clayton, Cricket, did that, and they dedicated Lucas in the same moment, saying they're going to raise Lucas to know God. Beautiful moment. Anyone who's done that, the Bible teaches that they have the Holy Spirit. But yet we're still taught to ask and seek and knock and invite the Holy Spirit in. See, the Holy Spirit, even though we all have access to him as, the, as believers, there's still a level of fullness that we can, can, can have. There's an infilling of him. It's like we have the capacity to have God in us as soon as we believe. But there's a measure of having him in us that we can sense. Some people say, well, I thought when I was going to be a Christian, all of these things would get easier. And the reality is, there's a test that is involved to how much we're actually going to follow through on our beliefs. How much we're actually going to depend on him. Are we actually going to ask? Are we actually going to seek? Are we really going to knock at the door? Because you can say you believe, and baptism is a wonderful experience, and a lot of people have been baptized, and I think it's a great thing. But here's the reality is not everyone who makes a public declaration through baptism actually invites the Holy Spirit to come and live in them on a daily basis. And so in John chapter 3, I want you to turn to John chapter 3. Jesus is actually talking to a man named Nicodemus. It says, John chapter 3, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miracle, miraculous signs you are doing if God were not in him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. 
How can a man be born when he is old? Jesus asked, surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. See, often people read this and they see the need to be born again and to be born of the spirit and water. And we focus on the fact that, okay, that means you have to make a public declaration that you are now a believer. And we see the water part and we say, okay, that means you should be baptized. But we ignore the fact that also you need to be born of the spirit. It says born of water and the spirit. What does it mean to be born of the spirit? Flesh gives birth to flesh, verse 6, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is everyone born of the spirit. So when you give your heart to the Lord, we often call those people, those born-again Christians, we call them baby Christians. You ever heard that said? Like, oh, that person just is a new Christian, so they're a baby Christian. But it's how, and we talk about that as their spiritual rebirth. But here's what Jesus is actually saying. You need to give birth to the Spirit. You must be born again. And the Spirit of God will take you from place to place, just like the wind, so is everyone born of the Spirit. There's a need for us as believers to not just be, it was wonderful that we, we, we baptized people, whether it be Clayton last year or, or anyone who wants to be baptized in the future. We've done many baptisms in this church. We've done it in pools. We've done it in the building here. I can't wait till we do more. I know there are more people who need to be baptized, and we will do it eventually. I can't wait for those experiences to happen again. But while we are waiting for an opportunity to baptize new believers, here's the reality is that every believer can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Every believer can be born of the Spirit of God. Now, when you put your hope and your trust in Jesus and you're baptized, or even before you're baptized, when you simply believe, you have the Spirit of God. But there's, it's one thing to be a baby in the Spirit, and it's another thing to grow to the fullness in the Spirit. If Anna Claire, who's sitting on my wife's lap, never took the steps that she took yesterday some of her first steps that she took between Amy Beth and I, if she never took those steps, it would be a shame, wouldn't it? If she eventually grew up and never took her first steps, we would all know there's something wrong. The same thing can happen in, a, in the life of a believer if the Spirit of God does not grow within us. If we do not have experiences where we do turn off the radio and spend time in quietness with God and invite the Holy Spirit to come and to speak to us and to have a conversation where we can ask, where we can seek, where we can knock. And he comes in and he fills us. And when you do this, when you, when you ask and you seek and you knock and you want to grow in the Holy Spirit, there are a number of different stages, I would say, that a believer can experience. At first, 
I talked about some of these experiences last week where, where sometimes you can feel the presence of God and almost feels like, like, uh, like goosebumps on your body or tingles through you and you're like, what's going on? This is, I feel something or, or butterflies in your stomach I've experienced. I've experienced all of these things. I've experienced even a point where early in my Christian walk, God would touch me and it felt like electricity going through my body. I remember one night I was asking, I was seeking, I was knocking, and I was praying that the Holy Spirit would touch me, and Amy Beth would tell you I was beside her in bed, and I was shaking like I was being electrocuted. No word of a lie. And the Holy Spirit came and he told me, he said, go and ask your friend for forgiveness because you haven't been living the life of a good Christian when you're around him. You're living a double life with him and with me, and I want you to repent and to ask him for forgiveness. And this friend was not really a believer and I was shaking in my boots, and I remember driving in his, into his driveway, and his driveway was like a mile long, and I remember driving really slow down his driveway to go and see him and ask for forgiveness, but you know I could do it because the power of the Holy Spirit had touched me the night before, and I felt the electricity go, and I couldn't, I couldn't deny shaking in my bed that night that God really wanted me to do this, and I knew that this was a spiritual blockade in my life, that if I didn't ask for forgiveness, if I had the inability to humble myself and say, would you please forgive me? And I'm not living the life I should live as an example as a Christian. And he had no clue what I was talking about when I finally got down that driveway and asked for forgiveness. He's like, I don't need to forgive you. I was like, well, listen, I just need to do this. I just need to ask you anyways. This is what God told me to do. And I knew it because I had that experience where God had filled me with the Holy Spirit. I know you, that as we progress in our journey, God can do that for each and every one of you, where you can have an experience where God touches you and fills you, and you can know that you need to take those types of steps in your spiritual journey. And a lot of it comes through those types of supernatural experiences where you feel God's presence. But here's the, here's the cool thing. Even this week, a friend came and prayed for me that I would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And guess what? Nothing happened. I didn't shake. I didn't feel electricity. I didn't feel anything other than the need to hug my friend who was praying for me to receive the Holy Spirit. And as we grow... In our walk with Christ, I've heard many people who grow in their Christian walk where the experiences of feeling the sensation of being filled with the Spirit was important to them at first. But as they grew, they didn't need the experiences as much. They just needed quietness with the Holy Spirit. They just needed worship in the Holy Spirit. And so as we progress in our age, you know, like children like to run around and play and experience things. And as we grow older as adults, there's less of a need to get on that roller coaster at the amusement park. Right, Margaret? Like you don't need to go to Canada's Wonderland and get on the top, you know, ride and go on those thrill rides. But kids will want to experience that. And I would say the same thing happens in the spirit, that when we're babies in Christ, we want to experience the Holy Spirit. We want to feel the touch of God. We want to feel the goosebumps. We want to sing his praises with our hands lifted high and sense his presence coming down upon us. And I think every believer who's trusted Jesus for the first time should have that desire for him to touch them. And we sing songs about that. However, as you progress in your Christian walk, there's something even more important that you know that God is with you no matter what life takes you through, and that's equally as important as we walk through the Holy Spirit. There's some more things I want to talk about, and I, and I think I'll save them for, for another 
sermon, uh, as we're going to continue to talk about the Holy Spirit in the coming months. I think this is a series that will continue now that I'm moving. This was kind of like uh, another teaching on the teachings of Christ, talking about the Holy Spirit. But we're going to progress and talk about multiple facets of what the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is and how he wants to touch us. So I'm not being overly specific of what that actually looks like and means. I'm kind of being general that there's truth to the the fact that we need to be born of the Spirit. We need to ask, we need to seek, we need to knock, but it's going to be manifested in many different ways. One way I know I want to talk about eventually, and I'm sure there'll be a sermon about this, is that the Holy Spirit often touches us in worship. Why does the Holy Spirit touch us in worship? And for those of you who are at home, I know that there's a difficulty sometimes, because I've been at home watching TV, watching church on TV. It's difficult. But when you come in the building and you sense the presence of God amongst other believers, why is it that when we get together in worship, we can sense the Holy Spirit more powerfully? And if you have never experienced that, where you've walked into a building and sensed the Spirit of God, then I think that you're missing out and you need to ask God for that experience. And I hope that would encourage you to long for that, to, 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 as Jesus is teaching here in Luke, to ask and seek and to knock. Seek that experience with the Holy Spirit if you've never experienced feeling the Holy Spirit in worship. And for people who are at home, I hope that you, you do desire that. But that might be a sermon that I'm going to be preaching in the coming months leading up to Easter about our need for the Holy Spirit in worship. But there's so much that the Holy Spirit can teach us. There's so much that we can know. Like one thing Jesus said is that the Holy Spirit, and I talked about this last week, the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. He's going to teach us. And so in the coming months, I really believe that as we talk about the Holy Spirit, there'll be new things that we can learn about the Holy Spirit. And as we grow in our Christian walk, it doesn't matter how old you are, how long you've been a Christian, I think there's so much more to learn about the Holy Spirit. If there's a given subject that you think you're an expert at, and you think you've learned it all, you're probably not an expert. Because everyone I know who's an expert of something, the more they learn about something, the more they recognize that they know very little about that thing. You ever heard that? The same thing happens when it comes to the Spirit of God. If you think you've figured it all out, you know the Spirit of God, listen, you need to start asking more, seeking more, knocking more, because there's so much more in the Holy Spirit that we can experience. I mean, we can talk about the the spiritual gifts. We can talk about the manifestations of the Spirit. We can talk about things like miraculous signs and prophecy and words of knowledge and and speaking in tongues, we can, we're probably going to go there. We can talk about the fruit of the Spirit again. We can talk about many different things at different levels too. And the more we come to know the Spirit and see the Spirit of God move in our lives, the more we're drawn to Him, the more we actually want to ask more, seek more, knock more. And so this, uh, the past few weeks talking about Jesus' teachings on the Holy Spirit have kind of been an introduction more to our need to hear more about the Holy Spirit. And so between now and uh, I'll say Easter, we're planning this sermon series on the Holy Spirit. So we're kind of shifting away from the teachings of Jesus. I know last year I started that probably back in September or something, started teaching the teachings and commands of Christ. And now we're going to move into the filling of the Holy Spirit and, and what it means to know the Holy Spirit and have him fill us. 
But maybe you're someone right now, whether it be at home or here in the building, you want to be filled with the Spirit. You want to be uh, born again in the Spirit of God. You just got to ask. You just got to seek. You just got to knock. Jesus said, how much more will the Father in heaven who loves you give you the Holy Spirit if you just simply ask? And so we're going to, Amy Beth's going to come up on stage with me and we're going to sing a, a, a few songs here. And as we're singing, I encourage you in your heart to ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill you. Seek him out. Um, this week, I, like I said, I had a, a, another friend pray over me that I would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was such a blessing. And I want you to have that same experience that I could have in just knowing someone praying over you and feeling the love of God flow into you uh, through prayer. It does. Sometimes it's going to feel like uh, goosebumps on you. Sometimes it's going to be butterflies in your stomach. Sometimes you might even feel electricity flow through your body. I've, I've seen people get knocked down in the power of the Holy Spirit. And some of you might just experience quiet peace. But whatever you experience, it doesn't matter. Just ask, just seek, just knock. I'm going to pray and then we'll sing together. Father in heaven, we want to be obedient to the commands and teachings of Jesus. And Jesus, you taught us to ask, to seek, to knock in our prayer life. And you were talking about our need to have the Holy Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. We invite you into our lives. We pray, Spirit of God, that you would give us a new filling. Maybe we've been born again and born of the Spirit for a long time, but we've never learned to take more steps in the Spirit of God. And maybe we're experienced in the Spirit of God, and we know much about the Spirit of God. But like I was saying, I think if we know more about the Spirit of God, we realize how much more there is to know. And so for those of us who've been in the Holy Spirit for many years now, I pray that we would experience and learn and grow even more in the Spirit of God today, but also in the coming months, Lord. Fill us. Fill each and every one of us who are desiring the Holy Spirit here today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.